I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. Architecting culture. This is a topic that I have, I spent the last 25 years talking about with graduate students and, uh, and this week in preparation for this conversation took my brain to a whole new level. Uh, I hope a different level. I don't know if it's a higher level, but it's a different level, at least in thinking about this. So I hope that some of this is inspiring to you for, as we crowdsource some better thinking around what culture looks like. So I want to, I want to open with a question for you just to have you think about this for a moment. What would it look like to work and serve in a culture that is all about grace, truth, progress, character, execution, difference, unity, empathy, service, valuing human beings, hope, conviction, efficacy, truth, and even fighting well. What would it look like to work and serve in an organization like that? Um, it's an, it's an, I, don't know, I don't know where your brain is going, but it's an aspiration of mine. It's an aspiration that we might be able to think about working in places like that. Um, I'm starting there, but let's talk about architecting culture now. Like, what, what are we talking about? There is... Um, there's a guy named Warren Burke who wrote a book that I don't even know if his book is still in print, but it was one of my favorite little books on organizational development. And uh, in that book, he described, he defined organizational development, what practitioners in that field called OD. He described it as this. I think this is right. <laughs> it's pretty close. And it's very simple. He described OD as a systematic change in an organization's culture. Organizational development is a systematic change in an organization's culture. And, and this is where um, I'm just not the guy. If you want to just like throw around, talk about culture and be good and like say, hey, let's build culture. I'm not the person to help with that. If you want to go deeper, let's go. Because that definition that Burke said, so if we want, if we want to change something, an organization, we're talking about changing culture. And it, that begs for something else. What is culture? We cannot, we cannot even begin to think about them until we talk about what is culture. Let me read you another definition. I'm going to cite this guy several times, Edgar Schein. And Edgar Schein wrote a book 
and I think this is important to pay attention to, that is one of my favorite books in this whole space. Some of you are going to go buy it right now. I don't even know if it's still in print because mine's so old. But old Edgar wrote a book called this, Organizational Culture and Leadership. I think it's fascinating <laughs> that he put both those things on the title of this book, that you can't write about one without writing about the other. Isn't that interesting? Like, you have to think about both is what Shine's kind of implying on the cover of his book. He said this, I had never read this. I've been teaching this stuff to graduate students. When I say teaching, I mean like learning with them about culture for 25 years. Here's, what, here's something I read that Shine wrote that I never had read before. So look at this. On top of Warren Burke's definition of change, he says, organizational learning, development, and plan change cannot organizational learning, development, and plan change. Everything out there, that's the, all of the pithy cultural phrases about change and adaptability and agility and everything we want, everything, none of it can be understood without considering culture, listen to this, as the primary source of resistance to change. You can't think about those things without considering culture as the primary source of resistance to change, of resistance to change. And so that's where Shine starts us. Now, I haven't even gotten to culture yet. So here's how Shine defines culture. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the practical approach and then I'm gonna give you his definition, all right? He oftentimes, and over the years, I have talked about this so many times, I have multiple paintings, drawings that students have given me of what I'm about to show you. I don't have one of them with me right now, but I drew it for you. So hopefully it's as good as the better drawings and paintings. This is the way Shine talked about culture. Uh, right there. Okay. So he uses the iceberg. Is he talked about the iceberg? Icebergs are used as a metaphor for all kinds of things, but I think it's a really powerful thing. And I'm, I'm letting the secret sauce out right away, but he talks about culture at three levels. And he talks about artifacts. Those are physical kinds of things that, you know, building structures and so on. Like you can look and you can see these things. You can go look at them. That's why we started with this conversation around buildings. He talks about espoused or stated values. So he says that those are an important part of culture because these are the things we say about ourselves. I always talk to students and I said the most powerful espoused value in the classroom is the syllabus. You know, it's the statement of what class is going to be like structurally. But here's the big thing, right? What is the defining characteristic most of us think about with regard to icebergs is that 80 to 90% of them are below the surface. And so, and he describes the rest of culture as assumptions. And what that means, think about that under the surface, that most of what culture is about, we can't see. You can't put your finger on very easily. This is why I believe industrial organizational psychology as a guild and discipline exists. This is why people make a living at trying to at working with organizations on all the invisible stuff because it's all the assumptions that when we're in when we're on the iceberg or a part of it we don't see it very well so the assumptions part okay so this is this is a great way to think about this so most of what culture is about according to shine is things that we can't see and what's funny is we we spend so much of our time up in this space right? Execution, what are our goals for the week and all that stuff. But then we struggle with why are things not going well? And it's probably some of the invisible stuff. So let me get into Shine's definition of culture then. Shine defines culture. And I, I, I just love this stuff, y'all. Like it just blows my mind in this moment because thinking about where you are and all this. Here we go. 
a pattern of shared basic assumptions. I know this is a lot, but we'll get this in the chat in the notes for you. A pattern of shared basic assumptions that the group has learned as it solved its problems of external adaptation and internal integration. So we learn it. A pattern of assumptions, things that we assume. Now think about that, that's really interesting. So most of, that's the 90 to 80 to 90% of what culture is about are these assumptions, this invisible stuff, but there's these things we assume. The next part's interesting, that has worked well enough to be considered valid. So what we do as human beings is we look at something, we start to try something, we start to assume something, and then we say, okay, it's working well enough. Okay, so now it's valid. So I validate it. It looks, it looks good, feels good, it feels like it's working the way it should, and it, it works. To, and then the next part, he says, to be taught to new members as the way, the correct way to perceive, think, and feel in relation to those problems. So any problem we have, this is what we teach. Whether we know it or not, every new member is getting taught this, these assumptions. It's embedded that way. Now, now here, here's what's fascinating. There's so many things to break down within this. Here's what I want to point out that's so true of so much of the literature around leadership, organizations, all of this stuff. Shine's definition of culture is inherently neutral. Think about that. He doesn't say what kind of assumptions. And culture is everywhere. He doesn't say, he doesn't make a value statement about the kind of culture he's talking about. He says it's just a pattern of shared basic assumptions that we have, it's worked well enough to be considered valid. Uh, we teach it to new members as the way to perceive, think, and, and, uh, and feel. And it's so interesting. I'm gonna come back to this in just a moment. Do you notice that in his definition of culture, the word behavior or action is not included? And what I, the, the important part of that is that he's saying one of the most important things is what we perceive, feel, and think. And so often in, in organizational context, we just start to do. That's really interesting. Okay, now the next thing, talk about architecture for just a moment. Let's talk about architecture. This is about architecting culture. Here goes McKenna, like loving to, to just deconstruct words. Let's go. What does it mean to architect? Listen to this. Architecture, the art and technique of designing and building. The art and technique of designing and building. I got to read some more. I, gotta, I just love this stuff. As distinguished from the skills associated with construction. It's different from the process of construction. Architecture is the art and technique of designing and building. You're, some of you are already making the connection to what does it mean to architect and to, to, to the art and technique of building culture, right? So what does that look like? Let's go a little further. Listen to this. The practice of architecture is employed to fulfill both practical and expressive requirements. Wouldn't it be interesting if we thought about architecting organizations and cultures, if we thought about not just utility, but expressive requirements? And, he says, and then it says, in the, and thus it serves both utilitarian and aesthetic ends. So crazy. And although these two ends may be distinguished, they cannot be separated. And the relative weight given to each can vary widely. Listen to this. Because every society settled and nomadic has a spatial relationship to the natural world and to other societies. 
The, the structures they produce reveal much about their environment, including climate and weather, history, ceremonies, artistic sensibility, as well as many other aspects of daily life. It's so interesting. I, I, I could go off about that, but I'm not, I'm not going to. Just thinking about interesting. Okay, so, 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 so let me give you this. this. This is one of the, what's fascinating about architecture that, that separates it from the process of actual construction Architecture is thought out, it's thoughtful, it's intentional, it's careful. And what if we thought more intentionally about architecting culture as opposed to just starting to do? That's, what, that's where I'm trying to go with this. Um, so what is architecting culture? You wanna hear McKenna's definition? So I just, I wrote one. <laughs> like, what is this? Putting it all together? Architecting culture is the intentional art and technique of designing and building a pattern of shared assumptions that individuals learn as they solve problems that works well enough to be accepted and is then naturally taught to new members as the way to perceive, think, and feel in relation to every new problem or challenge that comes up. It is the, it's the intentional art and technique of designing and building a pattern of shared assumptions. That's what this is about. So what's interesting to think about, now think about this concept of that iceberg, because it's also fascinating to think about what is the pattern of shared basic assumptions that we're attempting to freeze up, that we're attempting to, to make real and to make a part of what we do. And I, so to give you some, I thought a lot about this, like how was I gonna approach this? And I, I can't help, I gotta tell you that this is something that we think about often as a part of the Wild Leaders organization. So I wanna use, if I can, Wild Leaders as a muse. Okay, so I wanna give, give you some ways of thinking about what it is that we are aspiring to do and trying to do that's a part of everything that we do, including the Wild Conversation. This is, this is that chance to architect. And so, so let, me, um, let, me, let me go here, and let me tell you also that most of you are interested in, in being a part of this community because you're interested in more than just architecting culture, but you're trying to think about how do I create a culture of development, a culture of stretch, um, a culture that's about whole people, a culture that would, uh, that would put in front of us some of the things that are difficult for us to talk about, things like forgiveness, care, courage, conviction. Like what would it mean to build a culture where we deal with the hard stuff? where we just don't throw words and say, we need leaders of empathy, but we also are aware that if we lead, have leaders of compassion and empathy, we also want leaders of conviction. So how do we walk toward that tension of those kinds of things? And why is this so, why is this so hard for us? And I think one of the reasons it's hard for us is because we are drawn, go back to Shine's definition, we are all drawn to patterns and habits that come naturally. We are drawn to things that we are more compulsive about than we are intentional about. And it takes, it takes courage to, to, to sort of confront that part of our humanity. And psychology talks about this over and over again. Think of the concept of cognitive dissonance. Do you know what cognitive dissonance is? It's when there's a difference between my behavior and my thinking, I'm going to attempt to reduce that. I'm either gonna change what I do or I'm gonna change what I think to make it easier. But we're talking about the possibility of creating cultures where we live both in peace and in dissonance. You know what I mean? Because change introduces that concept of dissonance. So let me give, I wanna, one of the things I would suggest some of you do is go out and read. We just 
published this white paper on uh, the 10 scientific truths of whole and intentional leader development. And, and take a look at it because uh, uh, it's just an interesting way to think about this. It's a radical thing to think about. How, what, is the, what does the research out there tell us about what it means to build cultures like this? I want to give you just a couple of things that don't seem like rocket science because I don't think they are, but they're hard. Number four on the list of the top 10 when you read that PDF, thinking drives doing. Doesn't sound radical, but it is because I can tell you every week our team is, is working with leaders who have who their entire assumption is around execution. Don't think, get it done because there's incredible pressure to get it done. And so that is a radical reformation of how we think, but it's required if we're gonna build these kinds of cultures. Number seven, whole isn't conventional. Like when, when so many of us think of leader development, we think of a seminar. We think of, a, oh, what am I good at? I came away from this thing and this conference and then I came away and I got inspired by this leader, but, but really changing culture is not about a seminar. It might start there. But we're talking about a long-term investment. This is one of the things we're dealing with. We work with organizations who use the toolkit, for example, across a year. But that wasn't our goal. That's a long-term approach, even in and of itself, compared to what many organizations do. But we're talking about year after year after year that it could take two or three years to actually shift an iceberg into a place of stretch. Um, those are just a couple of ideas from that. So, so, so let me get... Um, so now this question is, if that's what culture is, how do we, how do we actually architect a culture of, of whole and intentional leader development? I mean, and again, I'm using the wild leaders as a muse because this is what we're up to, to give you some examples. And I'll tell you the first one. The first thing I would say, I'm going to give you two things, and then we're just going to bust out and have this conversation. The first thing I would say is we design it and we document it. We design it and we document it. And what I mean by that is we design and document the way to think, perceive, and feel. I would suggest that every organization, we, we say this organizations all the time, you need a charter. That's what we call it. We have a culture document. Let me give you a couple of things from the wild leaders document. Some of you would be like, I want to work there. And some of you would be like, I never want to work there. So here, here's the, here are, here's a bunch of things. I'm going to throw them out there. Here's the things that every person who comes on our team reads. Here's the thing we revisit every year. Here's a few of them. Missional connection, and this is a larger document. I'm just giving you some of the key, the core values in terms of culture. Missional connection. The person can articulate what it means to develop whole leaders in their own words and is motivated to support our mission and purpose. That, that's the easiest one I'm telling you right now. Here we go. Conviction, a willingness to lead strong. This, this is a weird list, by the way. Forgiveness. We are seeking to be a confessing group and willing to say we're sorry. These are aspirations, y'all. So don't think that like, oh, McKenna, like he thinks he's the same. No, 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 no. These are aspirations, okay? Editability, a willingness to change, seeking feedback and having someone to check your work. Listen to this. If you have a problem with your work being checked and checked again, check again. This is what the statement says. Someone's got to read. The stakes are too high for us not to. That's what it said. Fun. I got to a point in my life where I'm like, I'm done not having fun. So commitment to smiling, even when it's hard. That's on our list. Grace, not taking ourselves too seriously and offering grace to others. Timeliness, being on time most all of the time. <laughs> There's a little grace in the statement. Availability, being available, available to the work. If you don't have the time and can't make this your priority, you might be in the wrong job. Uh, adaptability, things change quickly, so you need to adapt with the change. 
Listen to this one. Emotional maturity. I feel so sheep is sharing this with you because it's like, you guys know me. You're like, he ain't emotionally mature. Avoiding the pressure. This is what it says about that. Avoiding the pressure or temptation to gossip or talk behind the, the back of others, especially when it's hard. Um, fighting well. The best answers come when we are honest and honesty sometimes involves conflict. And then finally dealing with paradox. Life is full of competing tensions, so we have to expect them. That's, those are the, like those, if I think if most of our team would say like, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what we want. That's what we're trying to be. Um, and then I, the, the second thing, so that, what I said was document it, right? I wrote that, design it and document it. The second thing is this. Um, work at living it. I don't, I, I, I thought about this and I thought not modeling it. It sounds too good to be true. Working at living it. So it's documenting and then working at living it. Um, and we actually have some statements around this that are kind of interesting. Um, and I want to read two of the statements around what we, we describe leadership presence, what we want. And I actually begged, borrowed, and stole this from my brother, who's a pretty smart dude. So I've got to give him credit for this. But let me read you the top level of what we call leadership presence on our team. Consistently demonstrates breadth and depth of knowledge, understanding, bringing fresh original thinking and ideas to the other team members, presses for high levels of thinking and preparation for each meeting and moment, raises the intellectual bar in activities and discussions, maintains emotional composure, even in heated discussions, expresses awareness of others' positions on issues and encourages other voices to come to the table, expresses no need to make everything about them or to talk too much, takes unpopular or controversial positions when it is important to do so, and responds to questions with critical thinking and evidence rather than dominating or appeasing others, engages others in the learning and, produ and production process. You want to hear the opposite? I can, <laughs> I can see a couple of your faces. You're like, okay, here we go. Here's, here's, that's a three. Here's a one. We call it a drive-by or emotional contributor. Speaks up occasionally when the team members gather with most, mostly accurate links or references to the current discussion or activity. Speaks up regularly or often compulsively, but has a hard time managing feelings about the issue at hand and at the expense of calm, clear thinking about the issue. Content of contribution is highly variable, ranging from a rare, brilliant insight, observation, or questions to distracting, polarizing, impulsive comments that waste team time and in the face of silence feels the impulsive need to fill the space. I just, I say that because, and, and let me come back to culture is like, I'm just telling you where aspire, the statement and charter is something that I would encourage all of us to be thinking about is not just what is our mission and what are our goals for the year, but who are we going to be? We aren't architecting buildings anymore. And I would suggest that maybe we never were. We are designing a way of being. But that's what culture, architecting culture is about. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the wild toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.